Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Right Moves Podcast, where we talk about how to develop happy, healthy, resilient children into happy, healthy, resilient adults. I'm your host, Dr. Debbie Ray. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Right Moves Podcast. I have my doctoral candidate, Kate Webb, on with me today and next week to discuss the involvement of sport in a child's life and whether this is healthy or stressful in all facets of a child's life. We will discuss why play is so essential to sport performance, when children should engage in sport, should we be more focused on skill development when children are young, and whether injuries are a result of too little play and too much competition when children are young. These questions will be answered from what the research tells us over the next two decades. Just to give you a little information about Kate again, she graduated with her BS degree and master's degree in exercise and sports science from Tarleton State University. She's worked as the education and retreat director for Camp Eagle, as a biology PE teacher, head track cross-country coach at Wiley High School, and in the fitness industry. As an educator, she completed the Principalship Certification in Educational Leadership at Dallas Baptist University and the Level 2 USATF Coach Certification. In the fitness industry, she taught group fitness classes and traveled with mashup conditioning as a coach presenter at SCW conferences. As a NASM Sport Performance Specialist, she worked with children on developing foundational fitness to improve stability, flexibility, mobility, to aid and decrease body imbalances and injury. Additionally, she created a free summer track and field program for K-12 that has just completed its fifth season. So Kate, thanks for coming on today to discuss your expertise on children, play, and sports. Yeah, yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. For anyone listening to us or who has followed us for some time now, you may know us more from our LINK project intervention in schools Whereas those who hear this podcast hear us say, Right Moves, the Link Center for Healthy Play podcast. I need to give you a little history and why we engage in both before we launch into our discussion today. We began over 10 years ago as the Link Project, focused on bridging the gap between academics and the whole child and teacher. This was established by bringing recess back to schools throughout the day because children and teachers need breaks to reboot, re-energize, and establish a healthy learning environment for everyone. The intervention includes four 15-minute unstructured outdoor play breaks and a 15-minute character development lesson daily from a curriculum called Positive Action. We as TCU Link sign an agreement with school districts to train teachers and administrators on how to shift their mindsets to involve quality classroom lessons rather than just pushing a quantity of expected material daily how to build their schedules without losing content minutes, transition children intentionally throughout the day without losing time, and how to use the character skills in the classroom, on the playground, in the lunchroom, and on the buses. As a result, the studies we have published demonstrate the effectiveness of our unstructured outdoor play and character building program on improvements in the classroom environment so that teachers and children can be productive throughout the day, not just in the mornings. As a result of the LINK project, we have learned a lot about how to create healthy environments for parents, community projects, schools, and corporate settings. This has led us to develop the LINK Center for Healthy Play. 
The center's mission is to advance sustainable, healthy living in children and adults through cutting edge research, innovative community-based programs, and disseminating evidence-based practice focused on the power of unstructured outdoor play, which is what we've really been doing with the project in a school setting. Link Center's vision is to develop active, healthy, and resilient children who become active, healthy, and resilient adults. Kate has been part of this Link Center development and the Link Project with her PhD research. Her background has been focused on children and motor skill development through different sports. Today's and next week's sessions will be a blend of the Link Project's results with the Link Center's mission to disseminate knowledge for public awareness. Kate, I'd like for you to explain to the audience your research and what it's been about and why it is important for our conversation today. Just the the vision itself, developing active, healthy, resilient children who become active, healthy, and resilient adults. Um, my uh, my study of focus the last three years has been muscle strength development in elementary age children. Why that's important? What interventions can aid in getting children moving and and getting that muscle strength development? And also trying to get out why that's important. And so there's, there's a lot of research done on cardio and, and rightfully so it's, it's very important and very needed in these young kids' lives, but muscle strength is also very important and it's um, a foundation to any other movement task that you want to do, whether it be in the, the bones, the muscles, or the nervous system, it all starts with developing appropriate muscle strength. And without that, children can't go on to be active, healthy, and resilient adults if they don't have some of the foundational things that free play and recess can provide for them. So just seeing that in my research and and being out in the field and being able to see the whole wellness of the child and then also my specific interest in in muscle strength development and how that can help them in the future is, um, is, is a big part of what I've seen the last three years. Yeah, it's a huge piece. And um, I think it's really given us a lot of insight into how we can work with other teachers in the schools, whether it be physical education or health professionals, um, as well as the classroom teacher, right? And then when we move it out into families, I think a lot of times families just don't realize how important that play piece is, which I think we'll go into more detail on as we talk today. But it's just mainly, you know, I think we've lost focus on what the physicality of kids, how important that is to where they go in life and how resilient they can be or not as they move forward. I think so. I think I think the world's just moving very fast and then with with the electronics and they've snuck up on us and then standardized testing has snuck up on us. And I think that everything that we're trying to get out into the community and to the teachers, to the principals. I think everyone would agree with research and to some extent it's it's common basic knowledge on how a child is well fit and healthy mentally physically socially emotionally um so I think they would agree I think just the world has snuck up on us and especially past covid on on things that occupy our mind and time and just trying to get back to that communication with the community, with the schools, with parents, and and letting them know how important it is that kids move and how that'll overflow into every area of their life. Yeah, totally agree. I think what we should probably do before we really get off into um, 
our focus on cooperation and competition and some of those things that come with it, specializing in sports, not specializing in sports and so forth, is just where we are with the state of our nation right now. I know I've talked about some of these things in the past, but I want to bring them back into a central focus because we know that kids are not as healthy as they should be. They're not as healthy as 20 years ago, as a matter of fact. And why is that? And so when we look at the types of things that are impacting them right now, it would be things like chronic illnesses. The fact that that 10 to 20 million children and adolescents have some form of a chronic illness or disability, and that 31.8% of our children and adolescents are overweight or obese. But then when you take that a step further, we have 69% of our nation's adults who are overweight or obese. And we know that that connection is there from kids to adults, right? Definitely. Definitely. So as we go into, you know, why are they overweight or obese? What would be some of the things that you would say are part of that? Well, a lot of what I mentioned before is just the technology itself. It's, it's replaced outdoor time. Um, and just, this is just a classic example, but, but years ago I lived in an apartment complex and it was a hot summer day and the electricity went out back when I was single and coaching and teaching. And, and, um, I spent plenty of time outside. The heat didn't bother me, but I just, I went outside just to catch some air in the stairwell and everybody in my apartment complex was outside. Kids were in the streets, riding bikes. They were utilizing the play area at the apartment complex the, the swimming pool just tripled. And I mean, it was just, it was just this huge outdoor, um, you know, experience for everybody. And then about an hour later, electricity came on and I just didn't see any kids anymore, except for the few that were left in the pool. Everybody just went back in and got in the AC and it just, it's, it's not even just the, uh, the technology is really a time zapper that kids don't realize and parents have to be real intentional about how long they're staring at any kind of screen, whether it be a phone or television, but also just our modern comforts of, of having a climate control is keeping people inside. I think it's just a sneaky, uh, sneaky thing that's happened over the years that we, we actually have to be intentional about where before it might've been uncomfortable to be inside. Now it's always comfortable to be inside. And so just getting outside, moving, it has to be more intentional. Putting away electronics has to be more intentional. And then we have the increase in the standardized testing and yeah. all the high stakes testing that we have from state to state. And And there are some states who have been real intense and um, now they're backing down on that and they're realizing that that's creating a, a more robot type learning that kids are burned out by third or fourth grade and that, and, and they're really backtracking on some of those high stake testing. And they're saying, you know what, it's okay if they don't read by the end of kindergarten, they just need to know some phonics. Let's let them play. Let's let them be active. The school policy along with, with the electronic era and then our just modern comforts is just a, a triple threat to physical activity. Yeah. One of the things that I thought of, and it, it just came to me yesterday was when I was growing up, um, we didn't have electronics. You know, we we had black and white TV. We had only like five channels on the TV. News only came at two times a day. You know, it, well, three times. No, I don't know if it did or not. I know it came in the morning and then it came at night at six o'clock. 
And, and that was about it. Um, and so when you mentioned about the technology piece, it took me back to, well, when we have kids who we don't want to have to sit babysit with or pay attention to because we have too many things going on, we just stick the iPad in front of them and let them, even though it may be what they think is a, a very educational activity or game or something that they're watching, it's still detrimental to them because they're not moving like kids do. It, it creates this stillness in them. And so I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, if we could, if parents are listening to this and for one minute, they just think about what if I didn't have technology? I didn't have an iPad. I don't have TV except for black and white. And it's not real fun to watch. You know, it doesn't have a lot of changing channels all the time. It's just just a few things that you can do. What would be your alternative at that point? And instead of just putting the iPad in front of them, stop yourself and say, what's my alternative? Because this is not healthy for my kids. What's the alternative? And the alternative is getting them outside to play. Let them just go out and, and create their own space of make-believe or doing what they do. But that leads me to the third present day issue, which is D3 deficiencies. And when we think about these D3 deficiencies in kids, what we're seeing, it the, the way that it's coming out is through allergies and asthma, uh, different types of heart palpitations or lung disorders. It could even be migraines. And the reason for those types of uh, diseases coming forward that become chronic and make parents feel like kids are allergic to the outdoors is they are D3 deficient. They're not allergic to the outdoors. And in fact, it's counterintuitive, but if kids will just go outside, the D3 deficiency, it's eliminated, they get their D3 back, and these different types of diseases go away. And so I think, you know, when we think about some of the things that we're doing, it's, it's just like, can we just stop for a second and say, we don't have any of these things. Let's go back to, you know, what would it be like if, if we just had to do fundamental things? And the answer is, it's real simple. Just go outside, get outdoors and play, right? Right. And I think there just needs to be an awareness of it. I think people would do it if the awareness was out there, my, I have a fourth grade son and, uh, and, and he does get iPad time whenever it's too cold to go out for recess, but it is like clockwork. He is my most laid back kid, but he'll come home and he's emotionally not the same kid. And he's, he can't focus and he's jumping from one thing to the next. And honestly, emotionally up and down and up and down. And I'll say, Hey, you didn't have recess today, did you? And he'll say no. And I said, did you play on your iPad the whole time? Because I've asked him not to. I haven't done a hardcore. I'm trying to give him some responsibility. But have you, did you? Yeah, I did. And I said, I can tell. Let's get your shoes on outside. And and he feels (laughs) normal and happy whenever he goes outside. And he just, he runs around, he'll jump on the trampoline. He just, he burns off all that. It's just so much pent up aggression. But my, my point to that is if there's awareness, I think a lot of parents would do that, but their kids come home and they think, oh, he's a fourth grader. He's probably had a hard day at school. He's going through some emotional things. But if they knew that that's the consequence, 
of staring at an iPad instead of going out to recess, and they knew how that was exhibited when they came home, it would be a quick fix. And I think they would do it a lot of them. They just don't understand that's that's the beginning of that hormonal hormonal change in kids too. And so there's a lot of rationales people can have, but just because this is the field that I'm in and I study, I know that's not my child. That's not how my child acts. And mm-hmm. and I'm going to make sure nothing happened today. And if nothing happened today, <laughs> then I know what the problem is. So yeah. I, I think just awareness and, and people yeah. would if, if the word could just get out. I agree. I agree. I, you know, but on the other hand, I'm going to throw another one out that, um, you know, when Halloween comes around and we have all that candy that's delivered to kids, we should know by just watching kids after all that candy that they just go into this tizzy, kind of like what your son does when he is on the iPad instead of going outside to be active. And, And so I know that people probably notice it, but then we continue to give them candy when we go to movies or we continue to give them different kinds of sugar things at times when we go to special occasion kind of stuff. Right. But in reality, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, sugar is not real good for kids, especially when they're young because they just, their bodies can't absorb it very well. They really go on these very up and down roller coaster kinds of fields. Yeah. It's just terrible. Um, So I know we're aware of it, but it's almost like, we've got to be intentional about these decisions, right? It's got to be something we say, look, you're not getting candy when we go to the movies. You you can have, you know, the popcorn, but let's stay off the candy stuff, right? But the other two right. that I think I was going to bring up for to you, one is uh, you've talked about that physical inactivity piece, right? That we're, we, when we trade off to the technology or we're in standardized tests or we're in the classroom so long or, Uh, We just have to stay inside because it's too unsafe outside for certain areas of the country. And then we're not getting recess in school. That physical activity level really diminishes. On the other hand, it's also, it's kind of a two-edged sword when you have the lack of physical activity and lack of outdoors, you're also presenting a lot of stress and anxiety. Um, kids start becoming more pent up and feeling more stressed and anxious. And I think that's something that's probably you've observed with your kids if they are pent up more, right? And then they feel more stressed because they haven't had a chance to go out and get the the energy out of their bodies that they really need to do. Have you noticed that with your kids or with kids you see in the schools? No, I really have. And there's been times in, in their growing up that I've been blessed to be able to be home. And when I'm home, the kids are not allowed to do electronics. Home, home time, when you get home, is an assessment time of how was your day? How are you feeling? You know, what things do we need to take care of? Um, you know, what do we want to do the rest of the day? But, but having, having that time to assess your child before any electronics are turned on whatsoever, you know, from the time they get in the car until the time you get home. And then television in our house is when everything is done, completely done. And, and we're, we're all set for the next day and it's not time and there's nothing else to do. Then we might watch something, you know, the last, last little bit of the night maybe, but, 
but that intentional break helps you assess where your children are at the end of the day. But being a PhD student, uh, last few years, I haven't been the one for, for the first two years. There was a lot of days I didn't get to. So this might speak to the parents who don't get to and to the, where their kids go after school. And so my, uh, so thankful for, for my, my parents and my in-laws stepping in and doing stuff, but I, I hated it, but I had to lay some ground rules with them because by the time I did see my children, it was, you know, five, six, seven o'clock. And I could just tell they were, they were miserable (laughs) because they went straight from school to watching television and they've never done that in their life. And one of my sons even told me one night, he said, um, I have so much aggression and I don't know why I have so much aggression. I don't know why. And we ended up getting them into boxing, um, just a real neat boxing class that next town over. And he, he was able, but it was, he needed to burn off steam. All these things were happening during the day. And then he was going to my wonderful, my parents or my in-laws and they're just wonderful, wonderful people, but, but they're busy and have stuff to do too. And they didn't, no, not to let them watch television. And so just sitting all day and then doing that. And I just noticed a change in my kids and it was heartbreaking. So then just trying to work with that, work with the people who who get your kids. Um, Our school district has the YMCA program and they're supposed to get the kids active and moving and help them with their homework. And there's, there's some neat programs that are out there where, where kids can move if, if the parent can't be the one, but, but if the parent, is does have that that wonderful option to be there at the end of the day when their kids come home if they can just keep them away from electronics and assess their children assess their day and and get them outside as much as possible at least for a stint before if they have homework before they just sit right back down and start start some homework i think i think parents would see a big change in their children and it's just good good quality family time too yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, all of these kind of elements that are the perfect storm for where our kids are today also lead us to a place where I, this is, I think, where our main focus is today is what creates stress in our kids and what creates more of a playful um, attitude in our kids. And if we think about the state of our country right now, we tend to start with our very young kids in a competitive setting. And we think that that's a good thing to do because when we get them out there and they start learning how to compete and they supposedly they're learning how to socialize and they're learning how to get along with, you know, not only their team, but the other team and all this kind of stuff. We think that that's beneficial, but you and I both know that, through some things that are going on, and especially with you focused on muscular strength, or if we look at coordination, or we look at uh, the limb imbalances, or we look at the coordination of the of the child, and then move that to injuries, we know that there are some things going on that we really need to talk about. And one of those things is cooperation versus competition. And when should we be experiencing cooperative settings and when should we be experiencing competition settings and should it start as early as it does? I mean, that's a question that I think a lot of parents ask, should it start, when should it start for contact sports? When should they start doing strength programs or strength training programs? 
I mean, those are all things that, you know, parents are wanting to know and, and want to be able to be diligent to, but not sure what the rules are, right? There's not a lot out there on mm -hmm. that. And then add to it, coaches for youth sport programs or young early childhood programs, coaches are not necessarily trained to know how to do a program for the kids. There are some groups that do train their coaches to a certain extent. And there are some that are coaches that have coaching experience with that age and have, you know, done a really good job with it. But we also know that there are a lot of people that are hired that are parents or community individuals who are just interested in working with the kids who may not have any training on how to break skills down and work with kids and actually teach them how to do things at early ages. So that presents another layer of complication to what we're doing with kids today, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think, you know, what I, what I want to introduce first is I'm going to define what cooperation is and what competition is. But I want you to talk a little bit about your experiences working with young kids and how that experience can be cooperative and not necessarily about winning, but about how a goal is set for young kids to be able to achieve in a way that is, um, that's healthy and, and developmentally appropriate for them, right? So let me, let me just say what the definition of cooperation is. So it's an act or an instance of working or acting together for a common purpose or benefit. It actually is a joint action, more or less active assistance from a person or an organization or whatever it might be at that point. And when we think about what we're achieving with cooperation, I think there are many different angles that can take from when we're very little and we are all me oriented, right? As, as little bitty toddlers, it's like me, me, me. I want that toy. I want this. I want that. Uh, and teaching them how to share and be around each other in a cooperative setting. Uh, so I wanted to throw that one to you and just say, you know, what are some of the things that you've done? Cause I know you've worked in different sports settings different active settings and what does it look what does it feel and look like to you to bring on that cooperative setting for kids at young ages i've coached kinder basketball and track and field through collegiate track and field and um and so i've i've had the privilege of seeing um older kids who didn't get the skills they needed the cooperation skills um, they might be amazingly talented, but they're missing that internal compass that tells them where the line is and, um, and where the line is on how they treat people and, and their actual role in the, in the team. And so no matter what group I'm coaching, I try to teach about um, one body with many parts and how, you know, just because you're a different part and you have a different role, you know, the mouth might not be moving the body, but the mouth has a very important role of encouragement 
where in this particular sport, this muscle might be the one that's, that's seen the most and stick out the most, but that doesn't mean that they're more important because we, we all have to move as, as one body, one team. And I was coaching a little kinder basketball team um, a while back. And my first question, first day of practice is, is it okay to want to win? And their answers were all over the place. Some of them thought it was wrong to want to win. And some of them thought it was okay. And they didn't really know what the answer was to that question. And I said, mm -hmm. absolutely, it's okay to want to win. You can want to win with all your heart. And there's nothing wrong with that. Where winning becomes a problem is when we sacrifice our character, our morals, our teammates, those around us. If you want to win to the point where you do things wrong, or if you want to win to the point where where you're missing out on some things that are really important for this, this age group and this skill, then, then that's when it's, it's not okay. But anything short of that, you can want to win with all your heart and you can be disappointed when you don't win. That is normal, healthy, um, you know, feelings, but you have to know, you have to know where the line is on winning. And if, if little kids can understand that it's okay and healthy to want to win, but you don't do it at all costs. You don't sacrifice your character. You don't sacrifice your teammates. And then when you lose, how do you handle that? And then if, if at the end of the day, we're not even keeping score, is it worth it? Is it worth it to you to still play? Let's talk about the advantages. If there was never a score taken for the next five years of play, why would you like this sport? What would it teach you? And so I always try to also help them get the big picture that it's okay to want to win but that's not, if, if score was not taken, then why would we want to play this game? And let them, let them hash out those thoughts too, because um, just, just the fact of what sports can teach a person about themselves, about their physical and mental limits, about how to handle someone in a particular situation, about handle, handling success humbly and handling uh, failure with uh, grace. It's just the, the long-term effects of what you learn in sports are so amazing. And I wish every youth coach could grasp that your purpose there is to help them be better people, to help them understand some basic skills, and to help them have fun. And if you do that, you'll capture them for the rest of their life for that sport. And it's just, it, it does get twisted. It does get twisted with the, um, with the, the purpose of winning. But I also wanted the kids to know it's not wrong. That's a good, healthy feeling. You know, competition's yeah. good. and But also there's got to be something more out there to what we're doing. Right. Well, and I think, too, you know, from a sport perspective, it definitely de delivers a great avenue or model for how kids can work together for a common goal, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if, if they have that as a structured element, because it is more structured. And then they have a more unstructured element, which is free play, where they can just go out and play. Yeah. Yes. Now you're, you're blending two different environments where kids in a free play environment, not only are they developing every aspect of themselves because they have to know how they feel when they're in certain situations and, and start vocalizing that, right, with what they're doing. Um, but they're also using their imagination and they're engaged in more of that rough and tumble play, which is not 
where we're saying you have to tackle somebody. It's just that they like to rough and tumble play. They like to take some risks. And, and sometimes we've gotten to a point now where parents feel like risk should not be taken because injuries can happen as a result of risk. But in reality, if they do take some risks and learn how to fall because of learn, you know, just falling some, and they learn how to learn about things out there, they end up being better at what they're going to do with their structured activities than they do if they don't have any free play at all. Right. I mean, they're, they're able to engage better even in sport. They are able to engage and their bodies are prepped appropriately for it at that point. Absolutely. If they can get that, that variance of movement, right side, left side, up and down, um, their bodies are ready. And then they can offset any one dimensional um, uh, load that that sport is putting on their bodies, especially starting so young. It, it's the perfect combination that I, I, I just, I think a lot of parents and, and guardians check the activity box off if their kids are in sports and what they don't fully understand is that the free play is is the fundamental development of the body in all different motions and ways and it's prepping the body and it's getting the body prepared to know where it's at in space and how to move in all different ways and then when they go to the coordinated sport then they have a a foundation in which to do that on, but then they go back to free play so that they can work on any imbalances that they get from that sport. So whenever kids just go to that one sport and they play it year round, I have some stories about some kids that I've coached from the time they were little, they've played baseball and football from about five or six years old. And by the time I saw them at nine, they could not jump off one foot laterally or backwards or diagonally. They could do it on one foot, but that was their dominant foot in that sport. And they couldn't move or utilize their lower limbs on the other side of their body. This wasn't a kid who was just a participant. These are kids who are actually stars of their team who are having some major imbalances when we were little because their parents thought physical activity meant sports, but it doesn't. That's your coordinated body movements. They need uncoordinated body movements to really develop appropriately. I totally agree. And, you know, I think what we're talking about right now, what we've been talking about for this this session um, is really important and sets the stage for everyone to think about, you know, how do we balance making sure our kids get free play and when they're ready and, you know, everything has its readiness stage when they're ready to engage in sport from a competitive standpoint versus a skill development perspective. And so I think this has been a great session for just kind of setting the, setting the stage for what we should be thinking about and considering as we move forward. But I'm going to have you back on to talk about more of that competition side and what is competition readiness and looking at some things around youth specialization with sports specialization and some of the things that we can do around that um, that are key elements for whether you're going to have more injuries or less injuries based on some decisions that parents have to make and kids have to make as they um, age through early childhood, pre-adolescence, adolescence, and then into adulthood. So 
Kate, thanks for being on today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to our next session where we can talk about competition. Thank you. Me too. And as always, take care, have a great week, and play often. This podcast was brought to you by the Link Center for Healthy Play at Texas Christian University. To learn more about the Link Center and the resources mentioned in today's episode, visit our website at www.link.com project.tcu.edu.